Hi, and welcome to another Kirky Free Sermons podcast. We hope that our sermons help you further your understanding of the Word of God and guide you into your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Whether you're tuning in on podcast or radio, we're glad that you're here today. Let's jump into this week's message. This morning, if you have your Bible, we're going to look together at the book of Acts. If you don't have one, there should be one there in the pew in front of you. I invite you to, to grab that and uh, find the book of Acts in the New Testament. That's where we'll be this morning. As you do so, let me pray and ask for the Lord's blessing. Lord, thank you again for how you use your people, even in their weakest moments for your great purpose. Lord, to your name be the glory. To your name. Be glorified today, Lord, as we look together at your word, at the good and wonderful provision that you have given us since your spirit came. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Before we... um, delve into this today. Uh, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, it says this. I'm just going to read it for you. It says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Uh, Before I open the word with you today, I I realized that I was a bit strong um, in my exhortation regarding prayer with you last week. Um, Probably sounded a little harsh. I am called to exhort and admonish, but clearly I'm also called to do it with a lot of grace and sensitivity. And as the scripture also says, complete patience. So what would be the, the saddest part for me would be that you would, would miss out on the truth that I was trying to share uh, because it was, you were blocked from it and it was because of me or because of how I was or how my tone was with you last week. And uh, perhaps that happened for you. I do have a great uh, passion for prayer. But I also feel the the weight of it, especially regarding um, what I see as now being a very critical time in our church. We are we're approaching a new season, and I just want to know where is God directing us? I don't want to assume I know and just begin. Where would He have us work and invest our time? So um Prayer gatherings, the ones of which I address that, you know, we try to do here on a weekly basis are, it's really one of the, the staples of the church, praying. Okay. And, can, and the reason is it's because we're always going to need as a church direction from our head, right? Who is Jesus? We're going to need to hear from him, to be su- 
supported from him, and so forth. So notice then that this is in the book of Acts chapter 2. It says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Acts 2.42. These things really summarize what the essentials are of church life. And really the book of Acts goes on to recount people who were continually in prayer, okay? So both individually and together. And I'm just going to give you a, a little, you probably can't be able to read all that, but here's just a, you see all the occasions in which you see God's people praying. So Acts 1, praying before they chose leaders, before the Holy Spirit came. Acts 4, after being persecuted, praying for boldness. And after, because of that, there was great unity in the church and ministry resulted. Acts 6, praying before choosing deacons. Because of that, great growth came. Acts 9, praying for signs and wonders, many believed. Acts 10 and 11, you have Cornelius praying and Peter praying, and it leads to the gospel getting preached to, to Gentiles for the very first time. And they become part of the church. And it goes on and on, and you just see, you look at what happened as the church prayed. Now, prayer is... Nothing extravagant. It's not flashy and exciting all the time. It need not be long, and it need not even be pre-planned. I like it when it's sometimes, hey, you know what, let's get together. We need to pray today, and we do it. Because you know what? This is the way Jesus speaks and directs us in the church today. So my desire is simply that prayerfulness becomes a regular thing, as regular as you see it is there in the book of Acts. And sometimes that it becomes an intensive thing. Like we really give ourselves to it, right? And I think that's so important because of the big questions that we're looking at right now, okay? Um, As we do so, God impresses these things on us, how we should live and work and serve him. Um, If you feel, you know what, I, I am reluctant to come to a group of praying people, because you just feel you're not that good at it, listen, my friends, you can grow in your prayers. You grow in your confidence. The people who you think are really confident in their praying, they weren't always that way. It's just true. They weren't always that way. Well, how do you think they they grew? Well, they got around other people who prayed. They learned from them. And then they slowly stepped out in faith and prayed with others as well. The Lord works when we pray. He works when we pray. Okay. So, for example, um, just turn in the book of Acts to chapter 12 for a minute. In this moment, the apostle Peter has been imprisoned by Herod for preaching the gospel, and James, uh, the brother of John, has already been put to death. Okay, the first of the apostles to die for the Lord. And at this moment, what do we see the church doing? Well, notice verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer, that's intensive prayer, for him was made to God by the church. The church said, we need to get together. Let's pray. And so they did. And what happened? Verse 6. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains. And sentries before the door were guarding the prison. 
Verse 7, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourselves and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know what was being done by the angel, that the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. And the story goes on. He ends up going and really knocking on the door where the church is praying for him. And uh, so you just see God acts in response to the church's prayers. You say, well, does God really still do this kind of thing today? Does he really still answer prayer? Well, I don't know. Here's the question. It is, is it God who has faded, or is it us who has begun to fade? So, just as we begin here today, just to sum up where I'm coming from this morning, what was on my heart. Uh, first, I apologize for my lack of grace in my speech. I was exasperated when I talked to you last week. You need encouragement. But second, Prayer still matters. It still matters. Through it, God directs. Through it, God supplies. And without Him, you know, we just dry up quickly. We dry up quickly. Okay, but we're not doing this on our own. In fact, as we looked at last week, Jesus ascended with a, with a promise in tow. He left us with, this isn't over. Okay. Um, for how we would fulfill our God-given task. Okay, there is a mission. Don't forget that. You're a church. You're a church who has been given a mission. How is it going to be accomplished? How is it going to be accomplished? That's what Pentecost and the book of Acts is really all about. So let's read it together. I'm in chapter 1. Would you stand with me? I'm going to read a few verses from chapter 1, and then we're going to jump to chapter 2. And I'm going to short you. will give you a few thoughts about it. So chapter 1. Verse 3, speaking of Jesus, it says, He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, flip the page over, chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them, and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You can be seated. So if you know the story, moments before Jesus is taken up into the heavens, which we, we thought about and looked at last week, he declared the significance of what that ascension would mean. He told his disciples, this is in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven 
and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, right, and make disciples of all nations. Okay? That, Matthew 28. Okay? But then you come to Acts chapter 1, which we just looked at here. And then Jesus adds these surprising instructions in Acts 1 verse 4. He said, go and make disciples. But first, he said, I want you to go and wait. Wait. Now think about it. These guys have seen Jesus, their friend, their Lord, for the last three years, and now they have, they've watched him crucified and been buried and now raised, raised to life again. And they've heard from his own lips the meaning of everything that happened, right? I mean, they, they're figuring out, you know, this all lines up with Scripture. So their eyes and their hearts are, have been opened to the full truth of what God had planned all along. Jesus, the Son of God, was the sacrifice for sins for the whole world. And although he died, God raised him up. It was all clear to them now. So think of it this way. To them, they're thinking, our greatest problem has been relieved. There's now a sacrifice that can remove the guilt of our sin and the resurrection. Jesus' resurrection has verified that. And people need to hear it so they can put their faith in him, right? But Jesus said, wait. You say, wait? Wait for what? Why not get started? There's people here who need to know. And by the way, it's still true today, right? There's still people that need to know what God has done. But the disciples at this moment needed to wait. What Jesus seemed to be indicating was that the success of their mission would not be on their shoulders. Not going to ride on them. By the way, it doesn't ride on us either. Wait until you are clothed with power from on high. You get to chapter 2 and you, you see that Jesus kept His promise, right? I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And He did that. And I find just two lessons. I'm sure there's probably more. But two lessons I'll share with you today from this moment in history. The first lesson of Pentecost uh, is this. Seek dependence on the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ in us. This is how the mission will be accomplished. The church did not commence when Jesus told them what to do. It commenced when He empowered them to do it. This is the turning point. So now you and I are no longer waiting for the Holy Spirit to be given like He was in that day. He is now available to each one of us. But our posture should be no different than those first disciples, right? We should be waiting and depending on the Holy Spirit, not rushing out to do what we think needs to be done in God's kingdom. Because as you'll see in a moment, God lined things up. And all that He asks of us is to be really surrendered to Him. Okay. We are to be what the Apostle Paul called a living sacrifice. That's the idea. We're to be someone who's laid down our own plans in order to 
receive and accept the plan that God has for us. And he knows. Okay? Remember, Jesus said, I will build my church. Not, you're going to build my church. Right? It's not us. Okay. So the second lesson then I, I see is this. Seek dependence on the Holy Spirit. And second, see where and how God's Spirit is seeking to use you. See where and how God's Spirit is seeking to use you. Look at how this continued. This is chapter 2, verse 5. Okay. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men and from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and Residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they're filled with new wine. Now notice verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. And you can read how Peter clarified what was happening to the crowd. Okay, so where was this small band of believers? Well, they were right where God wanted them, right? They're in Jerusalem for the celebration of Shavuot or Pentecost, the 50 days after Passover. Okay, so it was time when all the Jews would come back to celebrate this feast in Jerusalem. And the Jews at that time were spread about the entire Roman world, and you just got a picture of that in all the places where they had come from. Okay, But you can literally spread it out like a circle around uh, Israel at that time. So when the Holy Spirit descends, the disciples begin to speak of God's deeds, right? of what God has done right in the middle of this festivity and celebration and crowd. And these Jews are hearing it happen right in their own native tongue. So naturally, they're not, they can't make sense of what this means. What are they, and they suppose, well, maybe they've been drinking too much, right? So at that point, Peter declares with boldness the truth of what was happening. And listen, in a single day, God saved three thousand people. They couldn't plan that. You know, God is still lining up things for His people today. He is moving the people around us to be where He wants them. He's positioning you and I to be where He wants us. And then He comes and He bestows on us the gifts that we need. Right? We merely need to open our eyes and use the gift that God has given us. As He laid it on you to serve, then serve. Serve the people around you. 
Has he laid it on them to ask you why you're doing what you're doing? Then tell them like they did. You see how they're just being carried along by the Spirit of God, having prayed, having sought the Lord. That's the rest of the book of Acts, by the way. It's not really the Acts of the Apostles. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit leading them. You do that. You put yourself in a posture to hear God speak. And just be ready and watch how God takes it from there. Well, that's what I wanted to share with you today. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you. Because you did not abandon us. You did not leave us when you returned to heaven. You went so that we would have something greater. We don't need to go today and find where Jesus is and seek his counsel or his empowerment. You've given us the Spirit of Christ to have. And Lord, that's the greatest gift. It's really the gift we all need. Perhaps there's someone in here today who hasn't received the Holy Spirit. Well, it can be theirs. All we need to do is look to Jesus Christ, receive Him into our life, surrender our life to Him. It's really not in our control. Nothing is. But Father, to give our life to Him, and He will come, and He will fill our life with newness, with purpose, to the glory of God. So Father, accomplish what you would have for us to do in the days ahead. We are ready. We are willing. Lead us, we pray. In Jesus' name. This message was brought to you by the Kirkoven Evangelical Free Church of Kirkoven, Minnesota. If you'd like to get in contact with us, please email us at kirkefree at gmail.com. That's K-E-R-K-E-free at gmail.com.